We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on geico.com you could save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, November 17th, 2015. I'm Jake Letarski here alongside Eric Katuri. If you are out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETCAT30. You can follow myself, Jake, at jakeski 52 now, Eric, I had one of the better weeks of the year, went 4-1 and one and made a pretty nice haul in daily. How, how about you? How, were you pretty successful this week? Uh, yeah, in season-long formats, went 4-0, oh, but uh, 
when it came to daily. Just had some technical issues when I usually put in my lineups in the, the last 15 or 20 minutes before noon and didn't get, actually get any in this week personally. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like me. Uh, we both work here on Sunday mornings, kind of getting the NFL uh, content ready to go here with a, right. with a big team of crew. And, and I always like to get it. My Most of my daily lineups, I'd say 90% of them, are set within the last 20 minutes before kickoff. Yeah, exactly. I like to take in all the injury information as possible, wait for any late reports, and, and see what happens there. And, yeah, it's stressful. It's a little bit, little bit of work, but it's uh, I'd say it's well worth it oh. as far as success-wise goes. Yeah, indeed. I agree with that for sure. You're not scrambling to check lineups that you made a couple days ago just to make sure there's no yep. injuries or anything unexpected like that. Unlike but, Doria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, – he's, uh, I don't know. He seems to do all right in daily, though. I don't know. We're he, having a. He sets his lineups, you know, well, well in advance, and then, oh, did I set a lineup again? Oh, I better as well go check. Go check. <laughs> yeah, all right. Do I have injuries? Yeah, he's the man, though. When it comes to daily advice uh, around the office, especially pre-kickoff, we got a pretty good crew here. Before we get going, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Well, Eric, we're going to get going today with the Monday Night Football recap. Uh, we had a pretty exciting contest here. Texans won 10-2-6 here. I pretty much picked a a good Monday to take off to Milwaukee to go see a college basketball game. Am I right? Yeah, it was a pretty boring game. Uh, defense dominated this. Uh, there wasn't even a touchdown scored uh, until the fourth quarter, 40 seconds into the fourth quarter. That was uh, DeAndre Hopkins catching a 22-yard pass from a TJ Yates and Yates was in the game because Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer actually suffered a concussion, mm-hmm. which he'll be dealing with this week. So that'll that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, I guess when it comes to QB situations, it's a fringe one, but one that we're going to keep an eye on all week. Yeah, we'll touch on on Yates a little bit when we get to the uh, quarterback portion there. Uh, uh, in relief of Hoyer, Yates was five for eleven for sixty nine yards and that touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. There, rest of the Texans side, the winning side. Uh, we'll look at the backs. Jonathan Grimes, six carries for thirty three yards alfred blue had a really disappointing day 12 carries for two, 22 yards a long of five i needed alfred alfred blue to outscore marvin jones by uh, a point and a half in a half point ppr format that would help me propel me to five and oh unfortunately that didn't happen can you count on alfred blue in any formats anymore i know he had a pretty tough matchup here but he's just really not been producing in the wake of arian foster's injury yeah, I don't think any back is really that special in this backfield at the moment without uh, you know Aaron Foster not there. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just avoid, avoiding the situation entirely unless the matchup would be incredibly enticing in, say, daily. Yeah, there's there's a couple situations where if you do hit a terrible run defense, then maybe Alfred Blue and performances like this will help bring his price down on DraftKings, so quite yeah. possible. So the entire team, Houston, it is. That is, uh, you know, accounted for 25 carries, 82 yards, which is good for 3.3 yards per carry. That's just, mm-hmm. uns- I mean, you can't have an offense be sustainable under that. Yeah, very reflective of Alfred Blue's performance on the year. He's averaging 3.4 a carry and has just one run of over 20 yards. So Yeah, so they're they're kind of the inverse of St. Louis. They have one dynamic receiver and nothing else, whereas mm-hmm. you know St. Louis has Gurley and little else outside of that. Yeah, right on. And DeAndre Hopkins, you mentioned that he did score the touchdown to salvage the fantasy day, but still not a huge performance, not really propelling anyone to a millionaire maker on, on Monday night there. Hopkins with five catches for 57. 
seven yards on 11 targets. Not a whole lot else of note in this uh, passing attack. Nate Washington, two catchers, 32 yards. Uh, Cecil Shorts, three catchers, 16 yards. Not a whole lot to see there outside of Hopkins. Uh, what about on the Bengals' side? I thought Andy Dalton was supposed to be uh, an MVP candidate here. He kind of stunk it up a little bit. 22 for 38, 197 yards, no touchdowns. One interception was sacked three times. Uh, what's the deal with uh, the redheaded BB gun here? Yeah, that's according to J.J. Uh, Watt uh, after the game. You may have seen that quote. Yeah, what, what was it? He's normally, he considers himself the Red Rocket, but they made him the Red BB gun today. Yeah, that was, and uh, Dalton didn't take kindly to uh, that quote from J.J. Uh, Watt at all. But That's one of the know, most comical feuds in recent history I can think <laughs> about. You know, you think you'd be fired up about your game, your team losing and your offense underperforming. Right. But instead, you gotta you gotta come back at JJ Watt. I don't know. Maybe we're Wisconsin boys that have a little bit of extra support yeah. for Watt. But I found that whole thing hilarious and kind of embarrassing. Andy Dalton. Oh, it, indeed. But you know, diving into the fantasy side of it, Dalton's averaged 278 yards passing on the season with at least two completions of 20 plus yards. On Monday, he didn't even reach that 200 yard threshold. Like you mentioned, didn't have a touchdown at all through an interception. Um, he did pad his line with 30 yards on the ground, but you know that did. That's not enough for any fantasy owner to be that pleased yeah. with this performance. Yeah, very little consolation to those starting uh, Andy Dalton there on Monday night. And I, I don't know, like all of his all of his big targets were targeted a lot. You know, Giovanni Bernard had eight targets, AJ Green seven, Marvin Jones nine, Tyler Eifert seven. So, mm-hmm. uh, and none, not one of those guys actually had a decent game. They were very modest. AJ Green probably had the best result with five catches for sixty-seven yards. Yeah, but AJ Green did lose a fumble, which made oh. things tough on fantasy yeah, owners there. at the very end you're right exactly yeah so the fantasy day wasn't the greatest for him marvin jones four catchers 44 yards again you mentioned eifert only three catches for 26 yards eifert's not going to have a gronk game every week i still think he's a top five tight end rest of season though yep uh moving to the running game uh which was really it was evident that that was lacking in cincinnati's offense on monday night bernard just eight carries for 36 yards uh jeremy hill only seven carries for 15 yards jeremy hill owners continue to uh to be in agony over uh the underperformance so far this season and uh monday night certainly wasn't encouraging there yeah and this is kind of a a little trend now going uh in the Bengals' previous game against the browns they actually had a pretty horrible game on the ground as well so uh it's not the most enticing you know situation at the moment when it comes to Cincinnati running backs Mm -hmm. so when it's all said and done this was a night well spent at the Bradley Center for me I got to see Marquette with a with a little uh squeak out an overtime victory over the IUPUI Jaguars there so well worth it for uh the time there didn't get to catch much of the game there but uh yeah I'd say I made the right call yeah it was uh it was a very good decision on your part all right well let's move on uh, from this red BB gun talk here and hit the meat and potatoes of our podcast we're talking the waiver wire slash fab preview for week 11 before we get going here want to run down the week 11 buys Cleveland Browns New Orleans Saints New York Giants and Pittsburgh Steelers one thing that stands out to me with those buys it's very quarterback heavy outside of the Browns you got Drew Brees Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger which uh, of course we had that interesting Steelers situation uh, last week but uh, these are quarterbacks that you're starting in pretty much all your formats there so keep an eye on the quarterback part specifically uh, one last thing all percentages that we stayed our percent owned we took these uh, early Tuesday morning uh, maybe early afternoon so uh, relatively recent about to the time of recording and finally fab estimates are based on standard scoring 12 team format with a hundred dollar budget and uh, hopefully you save some of your money here especially if you're in need of a quarterback uh, there's three quarterbacks we want to highlight today 
First off, I just want to go over the guys we've already mentioned. If they're available, snatch them up first. Uh, particularly Derek Carr, 81% Yahoo, 79% ESPN. you got to go ahead and own him even in an 18, 18 league, right? Yeah, it doesn't even make sense why 20% of leagues he's unknown at the moment. He's reached mm-hmm. 300 yards in uh, three straight games, and he's already done it five times in nine games. So that's QB1 material. He's thrown multiple TDs in four consecutive games in seven of the last eight. Mm-hmm. So you just can't leave him out there you got to go in there and Absolutely. get him up to nearly 100 percent ownership yep no i was really high on sam bradford to start the year uh but the one thing keeping me from the basement in all those leagues is going out and getting Derek carr early and he's been proving to help me win some games and keep me back in the playoff contention so yeah, good for him yeah definitely likewise <laughs> uh, a couple other backups we talked about in weeks past blaine gabbard of the 49ers matt hasselbeck of the colts uh no need to really go too into too much more detail there. They're, they're going to be starting, so they need to be owned probably in deeper two-quarterback leagues, but not feeling super confident about the playing time there. And one other quarterback that we've talked a lot about is Johnny Manziel of the Cleveland Browns. It was announced today that he will be the starter for the rest of the regular season here. Manziel was, had a pretty good game on Sunday. It was accurate passing and uh, demonstrated some intangibles there, which is, of course, good to see uh, from the young quarterback there. Can you see Manziel being a force anywhere outside of two quarterback leagues? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, I would say he's limited to that. Um, also, I mean, you know, he has to probably be picked up in 16-team leagues just because he's had 13 and 15 in terms of standard scoring points in the last two weeks. So, you know, that's not, nothing to sniff at. Like, it, it will help out your squad if you're in need of quarterback help. Yeah, for sure. Menzel last week against the Steelers, 33 of 45 for a career-high 372 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, got sacked six times, so that's not the greatest, but also led the team in rushing with three carries for 17 yards. So wow. way, way to go Browns running backs here. <laughs> I saw a tweet last night. I forget who it was. Someone said Jameis Winston has four rushing yard, or touchdowns on the season, and that is more than the Browns and Jaguars combined. That's ridiculous. That is a pretty crazy stat. I love those hilarious <laughs> stats like that. Uh, Browns just can't seem to get that rushing attack going despite a stellar offensive line. Yeah, and something to note, too, like Manziel will get that extra yardage on the ground, too. He's averaging 7.3 yards per carry uh, last week in uh, his first career start, right? He had 31 yeah. yards rushing. So mm-hmm. yeah. you're going to get those few extra points on the ground, too, which will help you. Yeah, I mean, 30, 40 extra yards, three, four points. That's essentially like uh, throwing another passing touchdown for another quarterback. Yeah. So if you think of it in that light, uh, yep. it's very beneficial to have a quarterback who is thrifty and nimble on his feet there. <laughs> but let's go uh, ahead and talk about a few of the other quarterbacks we got to look at this week. Uh, I'm going to mix the order up a little bit and start out with Brock Osweiler out in Denver. He's pretty much universally available. Peyton Manning show finally ended a little bit on Sunday due to injury, it seems. And Brock Osweiler came in to relieve him, 14 of 24, 146 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Also added three carries for 18 yards. Looks like he's going to start Sunday at Chicago, so pretty favorable matchup. He'll be starting over Peyton Manning. Eric, do you think the weapons that Brock Osweiler has at hand in that Denver offense make him a, a viable pickup, especially this week against a uh, pretty favorable matchup, you would think? Um, well, let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders first. Uh, so he dealt with an ankle injury last week. He was very questionable coming into the weekend. He was able to convince the team that he could play, but then when he came, went on the field, he actually was targeted four times but wasn't able to actually catch any of those. And then he left the game with a finger injury and was tested for concussion. Mm -hmm. He passed that concussion test, so he's good to go on that front, but he's still going to be monitored very heavily to see how his practice participation pans out. And that will leave Osweiler with really only one 
viable receiving option probably. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll have that safety net and Owen Daniels and Vernon Davis, but Demarius Thomas is the guy we're talking about there. And I guess Ronnie Hillman a bit too. But when I'm looking at this matchup, Chicago's actually played better against the pass in recent weeks. They've only allowed 222 yards uh, per game in the past three, two touchdowns and two interceptions during that span, right. which is only good for 10.7 points in standard formats. Okay. So, I mean, there, there is there is a trend going against the Denver offense right now, and it's specifically Osweiler. Yeah, but see, that's one of those things where my gut instinct tells me Chicago doesn't have a great pass defense, but when you actually look at the numbers there, uh, it, it's better than expected. So not necessarily a lock. I wouldn't necessarily go too far out of your way to lock Osweiler into daily lineups there. I mean, but- it, it is much better if you know Denver does get all the, their weapons back intact. Osweiler will, you know, he should fare better on a yeah. weekly basis. I mean, if you're sitting Breeze and Eli Manning this week in a two-quarterback league, I think there's a spot for Osweiler in, in lineups there. But the situation's uh, needs to be pretty unique, I think, for you to go out of your way. Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we move on from Osweiler, uh, Emmanuel Sanders' uh, quote. Uh, here's a Gary Kubiak quote. Uh, he's <laughs> going to, quote, have a normal week. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll see how that goes again. Probably still worth monitoring as the uh, practice participation and everything from the week becomes available here. What so, about rest of season? Do you think there's a legitimate chance that he can take this job from Peyton Manning for the remainder of the regular season here, or is that kind of up for grabs still? Uh, man, like it's going to be a maintenance program, I think, with uh, Manning. So it's going to be a week-to-week thing rather than anything you can really depend on. So, yeah, I, I would say Osweiler is going to have it for the foreseeable future because of the, you know, what is it, torn plantar fascia for Manning, right? Yeah, that's never good. I mean, it's not like Manning's the most mobile in the pocket anyway, and yeah. this is only going to make things much more difficult. So I I haven't really looked ahead at the Broncos' matchups for the rest of the season, but, I mean, what kind of fab bid would you put in based on that? Maybe not more so on the, you know, upcoming matchup against the Bears, but, you know, rest of the season. Well, first off, the matchups are, are a little bit up and down. Week 12, New England at home. Week 13 at San Diego. Week 14, uh, they've got Oakland at home, which is a bottom three pass defense, potentially helping you out in the playoffs there. Yeah. Week 15, they go to Pittsburgh. Week 16, they have Cincinnati at home. Week 17, they have San Diego at home. So, yeah, there's a potential for some shootouts in there if mm-hmm. you know all of his weapons are intact. Yeah, for sure. As far as Fab goes... I think if you need him, you can rationalize eight to twelve dollars, but probably not a whole lot more than that. You shouldn't need more than that to to really get him. If someone wants to go ahead and spend a fifth of their budget on someone who'll probably be a backup quarterback on on most fantasy in, in in any twelve team league, really, then you could let them do that without feeling too bad about it, right? And you you would also think the Denver's defense is actually going to set them up for you know better situations than the Denver offense just had against KC. You know, yeah, right on. So yeah, the, uh, it was a kind of a uh, a fluke. I don't want to say a fluke, but uh, the Denver defense did give up, uh, you know, more point, many more points than they're accustomed to. Yeah, Charkandrick West had an incredible game against that D. Surprisingly, yeah, former uh, RotoWire fantasy waiver wire recommendation, uh, Charkandrick <laughs> West. Uh, right. We knew it was coming, I guess. But uh, let's move on to other quarterbacks to consider. Of course, T.J. Yates. We briefly touched on him in our discussion of the Monday Night Football game. There's a chance he could start Sunday against the Jets, and that is if uh, Brian Hoyer remains in concussion protocol. Uh, Yates would almost be like Osweiler in a sense where the weapons could be limited to one big receiver. Of course, we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins. They already hooked up together. Uh, 
that sounded wrong. Um, but uh, they they connected for a touchdown pass yes. in the Monday night football game. Uh, but TJ Yates probably limited to two quarterback leagues, right? Yeah, he's uh, facing the Jets this week, which means Darrell Revis is probably going to be shadowing DeAndre Hopkins all day, and that's that's probably going to hinder his options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, will I, it down to next to nothing? Mm-hmm. I'd almost stay away from Hopkins in daily formats just for that reason. Uh, you yeah. don't want one of your top price players to you know have someone like Revis shadowing him. So. Yes, very limited this week, and I'd imagine they'll go right back to Hoyer afterwards uh, once he's cleared of that concussion protocol. Yes, indeed. All right, now what about Mark Sanchez here? He's universally available as well. (laughs) Sam Bradford uh, is dealing with both shoulder, no surprise there, and a concussion. Uh, He did not practice Tuesday. He'll probably have to go through protocol, and even if he clears concussion protocol, there's still the shoulder. That's a bit of a question here. In relief of Mark Sanchez on Sunday against the Dolphins, he was 14 for 23 for 156 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Another one that you got to be limited to a pretty deep two-quarterback league, right? Or do you think the system can actually help Sanchez become productive if he does, in fact, get the start? Yeah, so in, uh, he's played in parts of 10 games as an Eagle. In those games, he's averaged 257 yards passing, had 14 touchdowns versus 12 interceptions. So you don't really like that ratio, but it's more of the yardage that you're, uh, I guess, banking on. Mm-hmm. 64% completion percentage. So, you know, Chip Kelly's offense has, you know, made him a, I don't know, uh, decent quarterback, I guess, in this league. Uh, he's facing Tampa Bay this week, who has a 10th tenth, tenth best pass defense, 233 yards per game. Mm-hmm. But they've also given up multiple touchdowns in six of nine games. So, I don't know. There's some decent trends going for him if he does get the start. Yeah, especially if you think the Philadelphia weapons are starting to get a little bit more healthy. Nelson Aguilar should be back in action. Of course, Jordan Matthews, uh, he's been off and on this year. But I just remember last season when Nick Foles went down for the Eagles, I went ahead and picked up Sanchez, and there wasn't a whole lot much of a drop-off there. I mean, not like Nick Foles yeah. was having the greatest season ever, but uh, I was able to maintain per- essentially with Sanchez. Yeah, and you definitely profited too in daily formats because his price is so low for a while. Yeah, I mean, even looking ahead to potentially this week's matchups, I'm, I'm trying to take a look at who the Eagles have this week. Uh, yeah, they're facing Tampa oh, Bay. Oh, yeah, Tampa Bay, that's right, yeah. you said. So, I mean, you could get a pretty cheap start to your lineup if you went with Sanchez and Jordan Matthews, perhaps that pairing, and mm-hmm. then that would give you plenty of, of room to go ahead and get Todd Gurley and Rob Gronkowski in your lineups, and, and I think you'd be set up good. I think I might use that as a foundation in, in a few of my lineups this week just to uh, give it a try. I mean, you take the matchup and, and the cheap guy. I did that with Kirk Cousins last week, and it worked out. So I guess we'll see We'll see if we can uh, replicate that this year. But as far as fab goes for Sanchez, a buck or two if you need him. I wouldn't really go too aggressive here. Yeah, and maybe if you're a Bradford owner, <laughs> would you maybe go a few dollars more just to make sure you get that guy you've been you know following all season yeah the quarterback I mean, in the system you've been following all season exactly if i'm a bradford owner and Derek carr and blake bortles and are both snatched up as they should be and yeah. manzel isn't out there i'd almost put ross osweiler over sanchez um actually, among the guys we've talked about yeah among the guys that yeah. we've talked about today i mean there's going to be other quarterbacks available in your league he's kind of like near the bottom patrick would probably be out there for you but mm-hmm. we're also watching to see how he recovers from his thumb surgery too this week now that is correct so Fitzpatrick. Patrick, yeah, maybe another chance, but uh, you know, it would be taking a chance on someone that's a little bit banged up. Yep. Let's move on over to the running backs. We got to stress uh, one more time, one last time, probably for these two backs. We always like to go over guys <laughs> we already mentioned first, but Jeremy Langford is still available in twenty-five percent of Yahoo and fourteen percent of ESPN leagues. That's seventy-five percent and eighty-six percent ownership. 
he's got to be snatched up everywhere. Uh, you know, regardless of uh, Forte's health and how much they use him moving forward, he's got to still have a role. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he'll get the bulk of the carries, bulk of the touches out of the backfield until uh, Matt Forte is completely healthy for, from his MCL sprain. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. He there's no reason for him to be unowned in this many leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's posted 22 and 29 standard points in back to back weeks. That's just incredible production. That's RB one like all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the young back out of out of Michigan State, right? Yep. yep. So we're very familiar with him up in Big Ten country. Uh, another running back we've already touched on, but it's worth re-mentioning because there's about a one in five chance he's available in your league. That is the starting running back in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. Of course, I'm talking about James Starks from the Green Bay Packers. He's only owned in 80% of Yahoo and 86% of ESPN leagues, so he needs to be owned just about everywhere moving forward. No, he didn't have the greatest game last week uh, statistically, but with the opportunities there and Aaron Rodgers at the helm, there's going to be potential for big games, especially if this Eddie Lacy injury lingers a few more weeks. Yeah, we're going to have to watch that that groin injury very closely. Starks will be facing Minnesota this week. They've allowed 4.2 yards per carry to running backs, 41 catches to them, and four touchdowns in nine games. So it's a you know middle of the road matchup, but something that you should you know at least try to take advantage yeah. of i would still call him about an rb2 or at least a flex in, in most formats 10 yeah. games or greater yeah indeed all right well let's uh head over to new england i know we touched on some of these guys a little bit before but uh we got to talk about just rehash james white and brandon bolden a little bit from the patriots now it appears Legarrette blunt is the main guy in that uh he did play only 38 of 73 snaps on sunday but he was efficient 19 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown is it worth looking at white or bolded anymore or can, or can they be can they be considered are they rosterable or can we consider even dropping them at this point because the the numbers seem to be pretty limited yeah I'd, i would say uh you may want to hold on to james white at least for one more week because he got uh 28 of 73 snaps mm-hmm. only 10 behind uh Legarrette blunt so I would say you can still hold on to him, but he only had one carry for five yards and caught his only target for six yards. So that's basically neg- negligible, you, you know, mm-hmm. usage in in that offense. You'd want to see him getting a, at least a few targets, uh, and if he doesn't actually get that the next week or two, then at that point you probably want to jettison mm-hmm. him for somebody else, some other option. Yeah. So two guys worth rehashing, but possibly on the chopping block very soon here. And I think Legarrette Blunt's your man. Yeah, and I would say Bolden. Like you can probably get rid of him with you know the hopes that you you know don't mess it mess it up i guess yeah of course knowing belichick though this is all going to shuffle like a deck of cards for next week and yeah uh, the snap count will you know essentially put into one of those uh, lottery machines with all the ping pong balls and he'll decide okay white's gonna get 38 snaps this week we'll give blount 25 you know yeah you never really know that's how it seems like it goes with belichick at least but uh so so there is potential but uh i wouldn't bank on it too much now what about Carlos Williams of Buffalo? Now, Shady McCoy still, he's healthy. He's involved in the offense. But then you have Carlos Williams, who's managed a touchdown in, what, almost every game this year? Yeah, he's had a TD in every game, six of six, uh, sorry, in six of seven contests this season. So, yeah, uh, you can't, I should have wrote that a different way. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He's had seven touchdowns in six games this season. So okay. he's had a touchdown per game at least a touchdown per game. Yeah, because he did miss a couple weeks, I believe, with concussion. But he's essentially no longer dependent on LaShawn McCoy's health or status. You can yeah. consider starting him in a deeper format almost as a as a flex or an RB2 just because uh, he seems to get the goal line carries. 
and he's just he's got a nose for the end zone and that's tough to argue with in the national football league do you think uh, he can maintain his uh usage from uh this past thursday seven carries for 24 yards only caught his uh one target for uh 24 yards in the td do you think he can keep that up i mean that's a double digit fantasy point day yeah. if you're considering ppr it'll be tough to expect that on a week-to-week basis but I, we never know with uh, LaShawn McCoy so there's like I said there's a chance it's not the safest play but yeah. he's someone that should be able to get you uh you know four to eight points almost guaranteed in a week with uh with a little bit higher ceiling than that yeah so I think the eight touches can be maintained it's just you're going to be variable on the touchdowns and you know mm-hmm. the amount of yardage he can actually put up yeah I mean the the pattern has been going strong so far yeah. But this something like this can only continue for so long. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, so maybe you want to watch it. But again, I mean, there's just there's there's a lot worse running backs that you could stick in your lineup when you're in a bye week pinch yeah. or something. Fortunately, bye weeks are narrowing down, and we should have to do this less and less as the playoffs approach. Yeah, I don't know if you mentioned it. 30, at least thirty percent on ownership, unowned in uh you know ESPN and Yahoo formats. So if he's out there, you know you probably have to take a stab at him in twelve or uh, twelve team deep at right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, now, what about Sean Drone of the 49ers? He was the lead guy uh, in Week 9. Of course, the 49ers had a bye week, Week 10. 16 carries for 58 yards. I know we mentioned Kendall Gaskins two weeks ago. He had seven carries. I mean, the Saints are cycling, or not the Saints, the uh, 49ers are cycling through backs quite a bit. Is any of them really worth owning? Uh, I mean, considering Gaskins' usage and, sorry, considering Drone's usage, yeah, like, if he's getting 16 carries, there's a decent bet that he'll have a, you know, at least a five-point game in terms of fantasy. So I, I, he's not really a pass catcher, but uh, as long as he's the man on the ground, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the tough part for me, though, is this matchup coming up against Seattle yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, they're uh, just outside of the top 10 in run defense here, uh, allowing slightly over 100 yards per game on the ground to opposing running or to opposing anyone, I guess. I'm looking at the overall team there. So the matchup is a little bit tough and especially if San Francisco gets behind early on they might there might not be as many carries to go around so I'm very hesitant this week but he's worth looking at yeah and he just uh that defense just contained Chris Johnson to I believe 65 yards on 25 carries or something like that that thereabouts 25 carries for 63 yards I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. so yeah Sean Dron is definitely a uh massive step below that you know level of running back exactly so uh maybe a couple dollars on the on the fab budget but not a whole lot really to go around there right all right let's look at the oakland backfield now we've got latavius murray who was a little bit iffy heading in the last week but he still carried the ball 12 times now they reduced his load a little bit and gave some of the secondary carries to uh a whole committee basically are any of those guys worth owning um yeah so outside of latavius the only person only player who received uh, touches, well, there were two guys, Jamiz Olawale, mm-hmm. who is the backup fullback, and uh, he received five carries for 24 yards, three receptions on his three targets for 35 yards, Where and the starting fullback, Marcel Reese, was the only other player to have a touch. One catch for no yards on his two targets. So going down the depth chart, you can pretty much forget about guys like Taiwan Jones and Roy Hulu, right? Um, I mean... It, According to uh, uh, Coach Jack Del Rio, uh, Taiwan Jones and Roy Hulu were not in the game plan, and they didn't really intimate whether or not that was due to you know Taiwan Jones fumble issues the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, 
if you're looking, if you're scrounging for running backs, Jamiz Olawale is the guy who got the most recent touches. Yeah. So if if you do need a Latavius Murray handcuff for whatever reason, I don't know if Murray's high enough on the list where handcuffing him is a super high priority. But I guess Olawale is your guy <coughs> to own out of that group if you have to. But I mean, we've had a rough group of running backs this week. We've had some good weeks for backs this week. There's just not a whole lot to find on the waiver wire. Yeah, um, and that's probably a good thing, meaning there weren't a lot of big injuries to you know stud running backs this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much the case there. Well, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 11, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Once again, I'm back here. I'm Jake Latarski here with Eric Katuri. We're running down the waiver wire preview for this upcoming week. We've already hit the quarterbacks and running backs. Time to move on to wide receivers here, which uh, there's a few intriguing options that we want to take a look at here. Uh, Real quick, we've already mentioned guys like Stevie Johnson, who's owned in 70% of Yahoo, 62% of ESPN leagues. Uh, Michael Floyd, 61% of Yahoo, 61% of ESPN leagues. And Stephon Diggs, 84% of Yahoo, 80% of ESPN leagues. If those guys are on your waiver wire, it's not likely, but you got to go ahead and get them first before well, I want to say I want to say get him first before anyone we're going to talk about today. But the, the first people on, that we're going to discuss here um, might be a little bit uh, better of an option here. But as far as those three guys, they got to be owned almost universally, right? Yeah, and I definitely love the Stevie Johnson pickup for any owners out there that are in need of wideouts because they are facing the Chiefs' secondary, which has been you know exceedingly yielding to. Mm-hmm. Uh, wide receivers this year they've given a, up at least one touchdown to wide receivers in all but one game this season so yeah, yeah it's in a in an offense that is you know been high powered most of the year under the direction of philip rivers uh you know he's he's the guy to target yep and i also really like michael floyd of course uh his availability is a little bit more open if you need to uh, fill a spot there. He does have a tougher matchup going uh, – the, the the Cardinals host the Bengals. But, I mean, Carson Palmer looks like he loves to hit him with that deep ball, and that's a threat on any given week. Yeah, he scored in uh, four straight weeks too. So, mm-hmm. you know, that trend is uh, – you know, it, it could come to an end because it is such a, you know, uh, in-your-face trend. But who knows? Yeah, so uh, he's definitely got the hot streak going on his side here. But the top receivers for the week that you're going to want to target stem from the injury to Julian Edelman, who had surgery and will be out for the remainder of the regular season. So we head to New England, and we look at guys like Danny Amendola and Brandon LaFell. Amendola owned in only 33% of Yahoo and 22% of ESPN leagues. LaFell's quite a bit higher up there, 79% Yahoo, 73% ESPN. Pats are going to take on the Bills on Monday Night Football this week here. Got to look towards both of those guys. I think without Julian Edelman involved, Gronk is obviously going to be the number one receiver in that offense. But it comes to these two that are next in line in what is supposedly the best offense in the league here. So as little as 10-team formats, both Amendola and LaFell need to be owned across the board. Yeah, not only Julian Edelman's uh, Jones fracture, but Deion Lewis, who suffered a torn ACL the previous week, mm-hmm. with two of their you know, top pass, pass catchers going down. Uh, yeah, after Gronkowski, it's a little cloudy, and LaFell and Amendola definitely can factor into that. And they have actually a decent matchup uh, going into this week, too. They're facing the Bills. The Bills have allowed multiple touchdowns to wide receivers in five of nine games this season. So 
that that is trending uh, in the right direction. They, I don't know. Um, I mean, which one would you lean toward? I guess out of these two, I would prefer LaFell. I yeah. maybe Amendola could bring bring it a little bit closer if it's a PPR format. Yeah. But I really like uh, LaFell. Even when Edelman was around, since he came back, he's had six or more targets in every single week. So that's good. And LaFell to me seems like more of a deep threat. Um, more towards those sideline catches. So if Brady's kind of going for one of those uh, running the two-minute drill, he's going to go to LaFell a lot. So I like LaFell's potential more because he'll be able to get into the end zone. Right. At the same time, when Edelman went out, it was Amendola who seemingly took over more of his role. He played 51 snaps in that game, which is his third most on the season, and he got uh, 11 targets, which is his most on the season, by two. Uh, yep. Ended up being very efficient, hauling in 10 of those for a total of 79 yards. So uh, if you're in a PPR league and you need to replace Edelman exactly, uh, you might want to look towards Amendola. But in standard formats, I'm leaning towards LaFell. I think the ownership percentages have it right here with regards to who's owned and who's not. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, if you're in a PPR format, Amendola is the guy. But the touchdown potential isn't really there with him mm-hmm. or like it is with LaFell. Yep. Now this is uh, one of the best offenses with the who seems to be the leader in the MVP race so far this year. Tom Brady. Yeah, I would say there's there's uh, it's tough to argue against that. Now the top two receiver in the best offense in the league that should be worth about thirty to forty percent of your Fab budget, right? Or am I going a little overboard there, suggesting a forty dollar bid on Amendola this week? Yeah, I mean, if you have saved up your money to this point, that means you haven't really needed to spend it. So at at this point in the season, why not try to bolster your bench? You know, spend a decent sh- share of it and get one of the you know best receivers and or one of the top receivers and one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, I'm looking to uh, to shell out for all of that. Unfortunately, most of my leagues I'm down to about thirty thirty five dollars left. Right. So I might I might consider drop or spending it all. Fortunately, I picked up Emmett or not Emmett. Amendola I picked up LaFell in one of my 12 teamers uh, about a week after he got activated from the IR so I was early to the punch there and that's going to pay off for me I think now especially because in a standard format I think LaFell is definitely a wide receiver three possibly creeping up in a wide receiver two territory yeah and I I think uh, the fact that uh, Amendola actually had 10 receptions in in this game is kind of evident that they were maybe trying testing testing him out as like the third down option Mm -hmm. whereas you know the rest the first half of the season it was Deion Lewis and then probably going to be Edelman if Edelman was able to stay healthy mm-hmm. so I mean that that's also a good thing that's uh training in his direction especially if Gronkowski's triple team like yeah, he exactly. was, just was against the Giants yeah I was just gonna say maybe the Bills and uh, and Rex Ryan will figure out a way to just put two or three bodies on Gronk at all times because that's really the only way you're gonna stop him yeah. And that leaves guys LaFell on the sidelines, Amendola in the slot in single coverage, which yep. is it's only better for these guys. So I'm expecting big time rest of season. I'd put them both almost in at the at the back end, but almost in my top 25 rest of season if you had to just draft for these last few weeks because these right. guys are going to cash in a few big games, especially if the Patriots are in close games. So yeah, we're, we're talking about basically a guaranteed starter at the position for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And that... Uh, Make with it what you will, what you want to do with your fat budget for that. But I think a third of it or or even more is perfectly reasonable here. Mm-hmm. So those are the top two receiver targets for the week. Let's uh, run down the line here and hit a couple other potential targets. I'm looking at Tennessee, guys like Doriel Green-Beckham, Dexter McCluster, who might have running back eligibility in a lot of leagues, uh, McCluster, so that could help. Uh, yeah, and on the, on the and ESPN Formancy does. 
He does? Yeah, All right. Yeah. I, I believe it's the case in Yahoo formats, too. Okay. So maybe he was meant to be up a little bit higher. But we'll talk about him now with his teammate, Doriel Green Beckham. Now, Green Beckham, was, he's a rookie, and he hasn't seen a whole lot of action up to this point. <laughs> there's actually been there's not a whole lot to really prove that he is going to turn things around and all of a sudden become a major part of the offense. You're really mostly banking on upside here, right? Yeah. So uh, Tennessee actually lost Justin Hunter for the season uh, due to a fractured right ankle. Mm -hmm. And the other situation we're watching at wideout in Tennessee is Kendall Wright. He was limited in practice on Monday, but because it's a short week for the Titans, they're playing on Thursday against the Jaguars. It's He's probably hard-pressed to actually play, but th- there is a chance that he could. Mm-hmm. At that point, it, it, whether he plays or not, McCluster would probably be the number one or two you know, option in the passing game, where, and Beckham would be Green Beckham would be right behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I definitely like McCluster a heck of a lot more. Their ownership rates are about the same, so I would be the, targeting McCluster out of, these, uh, out, out of this duo, you, you two. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Because of the running back eligibility, if you're really having a hard time filling an RB2 for a week, I think against Jacksonville on the short week, we might be okay here. Uh, But I am intrigued. I'm very intrigued by Doriel Green Beckham. I got him as one of my dollar players at at auction early in the season just Mm -hmm. to see uh, what he would develop into. And he's been just kind of buried on the depth chart so far. So we haven't really seen a lot of him. Week nine against the Saints, he caught five passes was targeted 10 times ended up collecting uh 77 yards had two catches over 20 yards but then week 10 he kind of returned to obscurity only playing 29 snaps against against the Panthers and uh was catchless on two targets here so it's uh it's really hard to determine what type of green Beckham we're going to see I think if he plays over 40 snaps though there's a good chance he sees the six to eight target range and uh I mean maybe find uh the end zone for the first time since week three yeah so in uh, Yahoo leagues, I just checked out McCluster's uh, availability. He's only a running back, not a, not a wide receiver, mm-hmm. so you don't have as much you know flexibility when it comes to you know your roster. Um, McCluster uh, is really valuable to me in a PPR format. So over the last five games, he's at averaged five point four points in standard. But when it comes to PPR, you take into f- uh, effect effect like his uh, cat- pass catching potential. He's averaged ten point three points, mm-hmm. which is you know definitely in the flex range in a lot of formats yeah so the titans are going to use him to help move the chains a whole lot but not necessarily give him a ton of looks in the red zone is what that says and he's he has reached end zone twice in the last five so there there's it's a toss-up well whether it'll get in there but it's something to keep in mind yeah as opposed to green beckham who scored actually in back-to-back weeks weeks two and three but since then he has just uh three combined red zone targets over the next six games so not a whole lot looking there but uh maybe mariota kind of starts to uh, look his way with a lack of other options there uh, one other guy I think we've touched on before but is worth revisiting a little bit, uh, Devin Funchess of Carolina. He was a big-time sleeper early in the year but ended up getting dropped in most formats as guys like Ted Ginn uh, took over in that offense, Corey, a.k.a. Philly Brown, and, of course, Greg Olson, a big part of that Carolina offense. But Funchess is stepping up his usage a little bit in recent weeks here. Do you think he gets he could be a second half, well, not even a second half, a, a final third breakout type of player? Um I think it's still going to be kind of tough because I don't. I think he's been. Let's see here. He's only had four. He's had more than four targets one time this season. That was six in week five. Um, since then, or other than that, he's been to max of four. 
and a lot of times two or one. So mm-hmm. I'm not really liking the target count, but in the last two weeks, he's had three for 71 and one touchdown against Green Bay, two catches for 41 yards against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like how he's trending. He's had his two best fantasy weeks, you yeah. know, the last two. He caught a deep ball against the Packers, so that did help him out a little bit. Now, the thing that worries me with Funchess is over the last five weeks, he has yet to surpass. 22 snaps in a game when he had 26 or more in the first four weeks of the season so you think it would be flip-flop you'd think it'd be the other way around where Funchess's snap count would grow as the season goes on but on the other hand it seems to be shrinking which is why I might be backing off a little bit Uh, I'm I'm still looking I own Cam Newton in a lot of places he slipped uh, in in many of my drafts because of people panicking about Calvin Benjamin I still took him and that's been working out okay for me but I've been searching all year for that receiver to really pair up with Cam Newton I just don't know if it's Funchess. Uh, we could I see mean, better towards the end of the year, but that's, I don't know, that could be wishful thinking on my part. Yeah, it's definitely just um, Greg Olson in this offense. You can't really rely upon, you know, Philly Brown or Ted Ginn on a weekly basis. Yeah, Ted Ginn's shown some stone hands a couple times this year. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be too faithful in that there. Now, Funchess owned in just 23% of Yahoo and 11% of ESPN leagues. So there's a good chance that he is available. I I wonder about the disparity, but I think Funches was ranked a little bit high early in the year in drafts. And if people are just kind of, you know, letting their leagues go because they're out of the playoffs, then maybe that's why they're forgetting about him, the fact that they're still rostering him. Yeah. So I'd say Funches is one of those guys that if you do pick him up, you monitor him over the next couple of weeks, but if he doesn't get 20 snaps, he's immediately back on the chopping block when it comes to roster moves there. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers have the Redskins on Sunday. Yeah, I was just going to say the Redskins give up nearly 15 yards per reception. So the maybe they have a propensity to give up big plays, and we've seen Funches do that a handful of times so far. Yeah, so maybe a dollar or two on the waiver wire. Um, I wouldn't say – I think you could probably get away with him with $0 in a lot of formats, especially if you're in a 12-team or shorter. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, well, let's move on to tight ends here. Uh, real quick, we've already mentioned Vernon Davis, uh, of course, with the move to Denver from San Francisco. He's available, or I mean, he, I'm sorry, he's owned in 63% of Yahoo and 48% of ESPN leagues. So there's quite a bit of availability there. Does the switch to Brock Osweiler maybe hurt his value, though, or, or based on how Peyton Manning has struggled earlier in the year, could having new, a fresh face in there actually help Vernon Davis as he starts to slowly get more and more acclimated with the game plan and offensive scheme? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that Osweiler will probably be able to get him the ball in situations in which he can, you know, succeed, you know, helps him a little bit. But I I don't know exactly how much he can be, you can expect him to be targeted in this offense with Osweiler under center. Maybe the fact that he's a young quarterback and, you know, he'll be used more as a safety valve more than anything mm-hmm. will help out his cause. But I don't know if I want to rely upon that. Yeah. Someone who I'd almost argue is a little bit less risky and has lower ownership is Richard Rodgers from the Packers. Now, he's owned in just 45% of ESPN leagues, and he has three touchdowns in the last two weeks. We're going to touch on some other Packers a little bit later there, but I mean, I think Richard Rodgers has has proven, I mean, he's not going to be a ton of yards, but in standard formats that are 12 teams or greater, he's at least worth a roster spot, right? Yeah, and the fact that he's becoming a favorite of, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the offense definitely helps Richard Rodgers, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the way here. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. What do you think of uh, Justin Perillo, though? 
There's a little break out here. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit worried about that consistently happening yeah. on a week-to-week basis. Uh, one quick point I wanted to make about Rodgers real okay. quick before we move on to Perillo is in the last three weeks, he's had three red zone targets and, like I mentioned, three touchdowns, caught them all. So if there's anything mm-hmm. uh, going his way, it's at least Rodgers trusts him down there, and we know that it sometimes takes a little while for Rodgers to build up that trust with his receivers. Now, you mentioned Justin Perillo. He's available just about everywhere there, Uh but do you think he's ownable all of a sudden, or are we writing this uh, off as kind of a one-week uh, type of one performance? One-week wonder, yeah. I, I would I would lean toward it being that until I see you know a you know, decent sample size. But if you're in deeper format and you really need something at tight end, I mean, mm-hmm. why not go out there? If, yeah, go out on a limb. And <laughs> Hey, remember like, we thought Gary Barnage wasn't going to be any good either, and, and look what happened there, I guess. Yeah, so uh, there's and, always a chance. And the fact that, you know— oh, the Packers receivers weren't getting open, but Perillo was, I think, helps his cause. And maybe something that they see in tape this week will make them go back to the well and see if it's not dry. Yeah, let's real quickly revisit the Packers' target distribution last week. Devontae Adams had a whopping 21 targets. I, I didn't really see that coming, but I think that's very indicative of what we have moving forward. Randall Cobb, 10 targets. You can expect double digits from him each week. Uh, James Stark, 7 targets. Uh, newcomer Jared Aberderis seven targets as well he caught four passes for 57 yards so maybe he's a real deep flyer at wide receiver but uh he also kind of emerged from that game a little bit banged up so we'll keep an eye on him he at least appears to be ahead of guys like Jeff Janis on the depth chart there James Jones did not catch a pass in that game and then Justin Perillo actually had six targets compared to Richard Rodgers five and had 26 more receiving yards and about a five yards per catch better average there so uh so how many times game how many times did uh, Rodgers uh, throw again because it was way too many for my liking as a Packer fan I believe it was a franchise record he threw 61 times yeah 61 so you know those will be scaled back when they have a probably more well at least an attempt to be you know more balanced on offense but the breakdown seems correct the rest of the way you know Devante getting you know upwards of a third of the targets and trickling down from there yeah I can very much see that happening especially as he's gets healthier and healthier every week and Rodgers becomes more and more comfortable in Devontae Adams sophomore campaign what about Baltimore Ravens tight ends as long as we're on the tight end topic here we got Crockett Gilmore we got Max Williams now this is a pass catching group that's been decimated by injuries this year uh, from Steve Smith to Rashad Perriman who went on the injured reserve this week so they're not going to get Perriman services this year Uh, Crockett Gilmore I think is the more favorable option by a little bit owned in 13% of Yahoo and 11% of ESPN formats I think that's because the Ravens recently had a buy so nobody was too aggressive on him but Mm -hmm. you you like in Crockett Gilmore's prospects the rest of the season I could see him as a uh, just squeaking into the top 25 of tight ends and being a tight end two in 12 team formats there I mean both of them uh, hauled in all four of their targets and a touchdown week 10 against the Jaguars here so heading into week 11 uh, against the Rams tougher matchup but is there is there something to like here I like the fact that he's had at least four targets in all but one of his appearances this year he's averaging nearly five targets per game he's caught four touchdowns so far Uh, I mean he seems to take advantage of uh, whenever he's targeted in the red zone he has five red zone targets and four touchdowns to date Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would lean toward him uh, t- over Max Williams. Max Williams would be more of a spec ad, and mm-hmm. maybe somebody you would think about in Dynasty Leagues if he isn't already owned. But I don't think in uh, you know standard or 
even like 14 team leagues you want to consider yeah. him i mean if you're in a deeper dynasty league where you take 10 keepers from year to year for example yeah. max williams might be worth like, kind of at the bottom of your list as a one dollar keeper if you're in a keeper league like the one i play in where you only get two keepers and you pay the same price that they were at auction i don't think he's the speculation isn't enough there to give him uh give him you know, you're right one dollar keeper status here so you got to really depend there's a lot of different ways to play dynasty and, and there are some formats where you would consider him uh because just a rookie this year taking a year to get acclimated with the league but i really do like crockett gilmore four or more targets in pretty much every game he's played except for one this season uh, getting a decent amount of snaps as well there were a few weeks where crockett gilmore had over 60 snaps so he's starting to build some trust Maybe get some more targets again, just 15 targets over the last three weeks. So that's at least a little bit consistent. Uh, and he also has two catches of 20-plus yards over the last three weeks. So if the Ravens find themselves having to pass, I think Gilmore will be involved and he's worth owning. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, when it comes to Max Williams, he's only had 28 uh, snaps the last two weeks too. So mm-hmm. that's that usage is – I mean, he's not going to have four catches on 25 targets again probably this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well that concludes our tight end discussion uh, outside of maybe throwing out uh, five to ten dollars for for gilmore i think uh yeah. let's move on to kickers and defenses here we're starting to get to the point of the year where weather is a factor so of course you want to target those dome kickers i don't have any kickers offhand except uh got to commend cairo santos on his 20 point week last week one of the bottom price kickers in daily formats and really paying that off for uh fantasy owners 20 points i actually i oh man our, our very own Clay, Clay Link has got to be just disgusted with me because I beat him this week by three points, and he was the second highest scorer in the league. He lost to me, who happened to pick up Cairo Santos for a cool 21 points off the waiver wire. So that's a tough one to take here, and I'm going to wow. enjoy that. But Cairo Santos has a ton of availability, and yeah, I mean, I can think of a lot worse kickers to own at this point in the year. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially uh, kicking in mile high. I mean, we're not going to re- recommend any kickers for the time being. Once so. Uh, you know, some weather concerns are a little more definitive in the coming mm-hmm. weeks and, you know, through the end of December. We'll start recommending guys or not recommending guys because, you know, mm-hmm. of impending snow, for example. Yeah. But, yeah, what do you think of, uh, you know, certain defenses that are probably, uh, you know, readily available right now? Uh, well, my pick for the week that I really liked the most was the Atlanta Falcons defense. They seem to have been taking a lot of heat lately, got dropped in a lot of formats. So they're actually available in 26% of Yahoo and 42% of ESPN formats. Now, the reason for this is one thing I've learned from streaming defenses is you don't always look at the opposing offense as a whole or the opposing team. You have to look at the opposing quarterback. And, of course, the Atlanta defense hosts Indianapolis this week, who uh, will be led by Matt Hasselbeck, a quarterback. And i got to question a little bit how much Hasselbeck has left in the tank and if he can run, even with some of the wide receiving weapons he has, if he can run a high-powered offense. So I actually really like Atlanta this week as a streaming option. Uh, even, I mean, if you've been streaming, they've been not bad as a defense for for the majority of the year so you might even be able to get a couple weeks out of them so they're my pick this week do you got a pick that you want to share yeah i was uh i guess leaning toward the uh miami defense and uh give me a second to look into something and i'll uh bring yeah. it up. well miami defense they've been pretty much re- revitalized yeah. uh since uh, dan campbell took over as head coach there were a defense that was checking in in the top five season-long rankings on a lot of our uh, customizable draft stuff and there were a defense that I actually thought with the addition of Sue would would turn out well so I actually didn't use my last overall pick on a defense this year in one league and and 
a few rounds before that ended up with the Dolphins, but I ended up dropping them later in the league. And however, it is time for me to consider re-adding them in places where they're available. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we're kind of expecting Tony Romo to actually return. We, from everything we've seen in practice and the video, the few vid- the little video that's come out of practice this week, or the past few weeks, Romo seems to be getting up to speed, and we kind of expect him to be playing and be his normal self. Uh, but there's always the chance that because he hasn't played in upwards of you know ten weeks, that there might be some uh, uh, rust there. Exactly. And the Cowboys' offensive line has actually given up seven sacks the last two weeks. Of course, that's with Matt Castle under mm-hmm. center, not uh, Tony Romo. You think that's a little bit uncharacteristic, but at the same time, some of that's got to be on the quarterback not getting rid of the ball or making his yeah. reads fast enough. We were as opposed to Robo, who has plenty of experience in that offense, really getting it done. So the Miami recommendation is more so: Does Romo actually play this week or not? If he doesn't play, I would say pick them up because Matt Castle would be under center again. But we're not expecting that to happen, so it's just something to keep in mind and maybe. If you need to make a decision at the wire at noon or one Eastern on a Sunday, that that could be something you look at. Yeah. Now, I just want to point out that Tampa Bay is actually a top 10 defense in the league, giving up 334.2 yards per game. But they held a Romo-less Cowboys to six points last week. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, just not getting a whole lot done on offense, even though they've got Des Bryant back, you know, missing some of their backfield and just really not living up to potential there. So there you have it, a couple Ds to take a look at this this week, um, possibly helping you out with streaming and or daily options. Uh, well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Again, use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out Rotowire.com free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski. If you're out there on Twitter, I'm at jakeski 52 Yeah, and over here, it's Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCat30. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday. Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.